Scott Jackson Show here, Priority Auto Sports Radio 94.1. We are brought to you by Larry King Law. Joining us right now via the Ballyhoo's guest line, Old Dominion interim basketball coach Kieran Donahue joins us. And uh, Coach, before we get into the weekend that was basketball uh, with your team, I wanted to talk for a minute about, of course, a guy who has uh, been uh, well-loved around this area. Lefty Drizel, of course, passed away over the weekend. A Norfolk native, played at Granby as the court named after him. Of course, Georgia State was his last school that he coached at, James Madison, and of course, uh, probably his best years at Maryland and prior to that at Davidson. Just just your thoughts, and I know you had some interactions with Lefty over the years uh, about what the legacy was that he left in college basketball. Yeah, no, obviously sad, uh, you know, sad to hear of his passing. Obviously, he, he led a great and full life. I, you know, I, I don't know him well. Um, I've had one interaction with him. Uh, Small world, when we moved here 11 years ago, um, my wife and I were uh, looking to, to rent a house. We didn't really know the area very well, wasn't really sure what our plans were. Um, and we actually ended up looking at a house that apparently uh, Coach Trizel owned. Um, and then, uh, you know, the, the realtor told us, you know, oh, I think this famous basketball coach owns this house or something. So, you know, small world. It was over in the Talbot Park neighborhood right behind Granby High School near Granby Elementary School. Um, you know, and then a few days later, I got a phone call in my office, and, and it was Coach Trizel, and, and he was, you know, trying to get me to, to, to rent the house. In the meantime, my, my family and I, we had found another house um, that we liked better, et cetera, et cetera. But, uh, but he, was, he was definitely, you know, giving me the hard sell on why I should rent that house. Uh, you know, so I, I appreciate it. But obviously, he was a, you know, a tremendous basketball coach, super successful everywhere. You know, I know, you know, Coach Jones, Jeff, obviously had, had more of a relationship with him. But, uh, you know, obviously, a, a, you know, a great Norfolk legend and a great basketball legend and just really sad to hear of his passing. Yeah, I was interested in talking to uh, the Georgia State folks over the weekend about him. Obviously, uh, still had a big impact on that program, although uh, a lot of years removed. Um, let's start with the weekend. I mean, you had well, it's really like Thursday, Sunday since we last spoke to you. Two games, you know, close games, late in games. You guys, again, the level of compete has been very high. We've talked a lot about that, despite not getting the results. This team shows up uh, every week, but I just, you know, tough finishes. I, I guess I would imagine that's going to be one of the focuses this week, talking about finishing games, because I had opportunities, just did not take advantage of them down the stretch in both games. Uh, yeah, no, there, there's no question. I mean, we're 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 right there. Um, you know, we've got to find a way to, to get over the hump and, and get some some victories, right? Again, our, like you said, our you know our effort. There's no quit. Our guys are our guys are battling. They're competing down to the to the very end. Um, you just got to find a way. Uh, you know, find a way to to, to you know, you know, make a few extra plays, um, you know, to, to walk away with a different result. Uh, obviously, you know, against Louisiana, the free throw shooting really, really hurt us, right? We had a chance to really, really keep pace there um, and just weren't able to. I mean, I think we had uh, three straight trips down the floor, three out of four trips down the floor where, you know, we got to the foul line and, and came away with no points um, and we were guarding at the other end and we were battling, you know, and, and you know, doing all the things we were supposed to do, except just not putting the ball in the basket. Um, you know, and then obviously we, we turned around and on Saturday, uh, you know, dug ourselves in a little bit of a hole there early in the second half against Georgia State. We, we the last two minutes of the first half and the first three or four minutes of the second half were were not you know good level. You know, we're not good enough basketball. Um, you know, but we we regrouped. We we found it a different way. We you know we're able to uh, you know take the lead and you know, but just couldn't hold on to it against Georgia State down the stretch and. You know, we struggled from the field down the stretch. I don't think we made a field goal in the last five minutes. You know, we got to the foul line a few times. Um, you know, and we had some really good looks. You know, we had, we had you know our you know our best standing shooter Bryce Baker had had two great looks at it. You know, Chauncey had a really good look. Uh, you know, with his feet set, and we had a couple of really good looks that the ball just kind of rimmed in in and out. Um, 
you know, and, and then down, you know, down at the other end, uh, you know, I thought we did all the right things. You know, they, they Mackey hit, you know, one of their guards, reserve guards, hit a hit a big and deep three. You know, he, you know, he made the shot that, uh, you know, that we probably, you know, I, I don't know if I'd say we wanted him taken, but but you know, all things considered, right? You know, he made a tough shot, um, and we just weren't able to make tough shots at the other end. And then obviously we weren't able to capitalize with the, you know, the last possession or the second to last possession under our own basket. Um, you know, and, and resulted in a turnover with a little bit of miscommunication. Um, you know, but uh, yeah, we we got to find a way, right? Our, our kids again, our, the positive. Our kids are there's no quit in our, our players. There's no quit in our fans. Um, it was a great atmosphere. You know, for both games, terrific atmosphere on Saturday night. Um, you know, our guys are battling and they're competing and they're and they're 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 fully invested and they're fighting down to the very end. We we just got to find a way to you know put the ball in the basket a little bit better and, and hopefully get a different result. Kier Donahue, Old Dominion interim coach with us here, a basketball, uh, Scott Jackson show, Priority Auto Sports Radio, 94.1. He comes to us via the Valley Who's uh, guest line. Yeah, you talk about you know the, the shot that you want a player to take. I mean, I think McKee up to that point was 0 for 6 beyond 3, and he takes a real deep one. Uh, you know, and, and finally gets it to go through. And, um, you know, you mentioned Baker, too. And I was going to ask you about him because, look, it looks good coming off his hand. He's had good looks at times, but the shots aren't falling. Um, when, when you're, when you're kind of coaching him up throughout the week, you know, getting ready for these games, I, I guess what are the talking points to him? And, uh, you know, he did a good job getting doing other things, right? He was, he was very active on the boards for you guys, also uh, had a couple uh, putbacks in this basketball game, kind of scoring in ways we, we don't normally see from him. But, but how do you kind of keep a guy encouraged who's, who's not – knocking down threes that's used to making them well no, that's it i mean just keep shooting the right ones i mean we have a lot of faith a lot of faith in bryce shooting the ball right you know and, and just gotta you know reinforce that tell him right? he's a very good shooter we want him shooting the ball right just keep taking the right shots um in your in your point is very valid i mean i thought he played one of his best all-around games um you know the other night on saturday night i you know i thought he was really really good at you know he you know, he got a bunch of rebounds, you know, uh, which is not his calling card, but he stuck his nose in there, got some offensive rebounds. He was on the defensive glass. You know, he's a, you know, he, we played a lot of zone there down the stretch of that game in the second half, and, and he uh, was very, very good in the zone defense. He was very good in, in man when we were playing that also. So, I mean, he's, you know, he, he, he impacted the game in a lot of really positive ways. Um, unfortunately, you know, he, he was over, um, you know, from three, and, and that's the way you expect him to impact the game. So, um, you know, I, you know, it's, that's a tough one, right? But shooters have to shoot. We have we have faith in him uh, shooting the basketball. We have confidence in him shooting the basketball. And I know Bryce has confidence in himself shooting the basketball. So, just got to bounce back and, and you know focus on the next one, right? You can't worry about the ones that are in the past. He's got to knock down the next one. A couple other players would ask you about it this weekend. You know, Jason Wade. I know he wasn't feeling well in that Thursday game. Is coming off an illness, so you didn't play as many minutes. But certainly gave you guys some real quality minutes against Georgia State. You know, playing that you know undersized big role against some some pretty uh, tough and <laughs> tumble players on uh, Georgia State, but still ended up with like seven rebounds. And I know he had some even some points for you. And obviously, as always, he gives you some good ball movement when he's out there. No, no question, right? Jason just makes winning basketball plays, right? So he, you know, it was a tough matchup for him both games against. You know, really big, or and certainly bigger. Um, you know, uh, interior five men certainly against Louisiana. So he was coming off of illness, hadn't been able to practice the day before the game. You know, his minutes had to be limited against Louisiana. Um, you know, but he gave us you know good minutes. I, I think it was only eight or ten, but he gave us ten really good minutes. You know, luckily, you know Danny Pound stepped up and, and played very well. Um, you know, and, and kind of filled that void, which was uh, you know a, a big boost for us for sure. Um, you know, and then and then Jason came back the other night and, and again, you know, played you know, not quite as many minutes as he's been playing. Um, that in part because again, Danny played very well, and, and so 
uh, you know, Denny's minutes were up and, and he played well and, and <clears throat> excuse me, and, but Jason, again, he just contributes, right? He contributes in a lot of ways, right? He's, he's just a very, very good basketball player, right? And so it doesn't always show up in stats, you know, I mean, obviously he had the seven rebounds, you know, um, you know, he, and he, he hit a jump shot and he, you know, he scored six points and stuff, which is probably, you know, about the high end that he's been scoring for us this year, but he just makes winning basketball plays, right? He anchors our defense. And, and again, the offense just runs smoothly more, you know, and smoother with him out there on the court. He, he just makes things work better for us. Yeah, you mentioned Danny Pounds, uh, the freshman, and he, he really had an excellent game against Louisiana, you know, really active after not playing the previous game. Uh, obviously played some really strong minutes for you as well against Georgia State. Uh, I know a while back we had this conversation on the air about him, and, and you said you wanted him just to, you know, maybe be more aggressive, which, which sounded, you know, because he was getting in foul trouble. Uh, but what have you seen from him uh, in, in these last few games where he's been able to stay on the floor and he's obviously been very impactful? No, it's been great. I mean, I, I think, you know, the – version of Danny that we've seen for these last two games um, is the version of Danny that we would like to see more of, that we hope to see more of, that we've seen at times earlier in the season, but it, it had, you know, we just haven't seen much of lately. Um, you know, and again, more aggressive is certainly one way of, of, of saying it. I, I think more active, right? I think when, when Danny's gotten, when he struggled, right, and when he's gotten in foul trouble, um, again, it, it's, it's partially because he's sort of caught in between, right? He, he's sort of uh, in the middle, right? And in the middle is never a good place to be as a basketball player, right? Um, you, you know, you can't get caught in between. So him being more active, more aggressive, you, you know, has resulted in him playing better. Now, you know, part of his early foul trouble, you know, early in the season, to be honest, was, <laughs> you know, was was him sort of as the last line of defense and, and being put in tough spots because guys are driving the ball at the basket, right? And so I think collectively our defense has gotten better, um, for sure, you know, what I mean, we're doing a better job um, at the point of attack out on the perimeter guarding the ball. And, and so he's been put in, in uh, less challenging situations. Um, but but again, I, I just think, you know, he's impacting the game, getting on the offensive glass. Right. And, and so that was, you know, a big thing we, we said to him, like, listen, go rebound the ball. You know, I mean, you, you, you got it out there on the court for however many minutes. You, you're a guy that should get a handful of rebounds. Um, and so he's done that each of the last two games. He's gone out and he's rebounded the ball. Obviously, the offensive rebounds against Louisiana and, and some scoring as a result, you know, were, were huge for us. Um, you know, but again, you know, on Saturday afternoon against Georgia State, he, he played very well. He, he looked like he belonged out there. He was impacting the game um, without the ball in his hands. He was impacting the game with his athleticism and his mobility, right? And he was impacting the game on the, on the glass. And, and those are the things we need him to do. So the more, you know, the more engaged and energetic and active he is, uh, the better player he is. And we, and we just got to, you know, we, I think maybe he got a little bit of a wake-up call and he's responded and, and credit to him. He's a great kid. Uh, you know, we're, we love having him on the team. He's got a bright future for us, right? He, you know, it's been a challenging season, right? And he's a freshman. And freshmen sometimes hit a freshman wall. Coaches talk about that sometimes, right? They just, it's a long season and it's hard and it's different. And, and okay, and he hit a little bit of a wall. Um, so he's regrouped and give him, give him a lot of credit because he's bounced back and, and he's, he's been very positive for us these last two games. All right, so uh, looking ahead here, App State on Thursday, uh, Coastal on Saturday, wrapping up the home part of the, of the schedule for you. Uh, I mean, App's obviously the top team in the league. They've beaten Madison twice uh, this season. W- what do you expect from them, and what's it going to take to uh, to be able to uh, knock them off? Well, it's going to take a great effort, right? It's going to take a great effort and, and, a, and a high level of performance on our part. I mean, they are a very, very good team. Um, you know, they're, again, very, very balanced. Um, they, they're big. <laughs> they're big. They score the ball inside. They've, they've got enough shooting. They're not a great three-point shooting team, um, but they're a big team across the board. They've got big guards. They've got big wings, and they've got a, a you know, a handful of, of 
big front court players that they play together, right? And they they play with a power forward, you know, and a center that are both scoring in, in the paint, right? I mean, they're, you know, they're they're the best, you know, they're they're leading the league in field goal percentage offense. They're also leading the league in field goal percentage defense. They're a very complete basketball team. You know, they're well coached. Uh, they're balanced. They've got size. They've got athleticism. Um, you know, they've got maturity. Uh, you know, and and they they're they're clicking on all cylinders. They they play. They play very well together. They don't beat themselves, um, you know, and, and they do what they do and they do it well. And, and they kind of have a very much of an identity, and, excuse me, very much of an identity. And, and it's big and blue collar and physical. Um, and we're going to have to bring our hearts and we're going to have to work. All right. Kieran Donahue, interim Old Dominion coach. Uh, good enough to give us some time. Uh, good luck to you this week, coach. We'll talk to you next week. Appreciate it. Thanks, Scott. Take care. All right. Kieran Donahue with us here. Scott Jackson, Show Priority Auto Sports Radio 94.1. We're brought to you by Larry King Law. And we are uh, brought to you by Larry King Law. 757-687-9494 is the uh, Valley Who's phone line. 757-687-9494. Text line as well if you want to hit us up there. Um, we um, got about another 40-ish with you. We will hit the uh, hit the big college game tonight here in the state. Virginia, Virginia Tech coming up in the uh, next segment and the whole mathematics behind why it's so much more important uh, for the home Hokies tonight to uh, get that W as we start to look at the really dig into the you know the the um, the net the net rating yes but also just kind of the bubble the bubble watch at this point uh, as to where everything is with with college basketball and kind of the resume building stuff that's left for each team on their schedule. And really, I mean, the ACC is in a weird spot because it's like really close to either adding an additional team or perhaps losing another team uh, with the way things look right now. All right, 757-687-9494, 757-687-9494. We were um, talking about the world of free agency earlier in the NFL, and tomorrow the – Tag day begins, and that will go for a couple weeks uh, prior to free agency. Of course, free agency is the 13th of March this year. So, I mean, it's like a really short window. And next week at this time, we'll be talking about the Underwear Olympics, James. That's right. The Combine, baby, uh, where everybody will meet. And like the only thing that I think is exciting about the Combine is, number one, this is where a lot of the rumors start. Um, with and, and also the direction that people are going to take it potentially um, with their offseason, right? Like this is when teams say, yes, we're going to go and go ahead and move on from said player or no, we're going to be, um, you know, we're going to, we're going to go ahead and, you know, go after somebody. This is like where, remember a few seasons ago, and I hate to bring back, bring back a uh, tragic event, but this is where the Carson Wentz, and, I, and I'm using air quotes for the people that can't watch us on closed caption television here. The Carson went sweepstakes took place. <laughs> and when, I, when I say sweepstakes, James, you know I'm saying when the commanders started bidding against themselves. Yep. Remember that? So no, anyway, oh yeah, I do. So that there's that uh, that whole thing too that uh, takes place. So that is going to be, um, you know, interesting because I think with Russell Wilson we're going to find out something, right? Um, I think Russell Wilson is the guy that we're going to find out that somebody's going to want him. And I know that sounds crazy. You're like, well, wait a minute. You saw him play. He could, you know, he wasn't this, he wasn't that. But again, tell me where the available quarterbacks are coming from this offseason. They're, they're just not, right? Like, there's no other place to find these guys. So, yeah, there's going to be a Russell Wilson market. 
And I don't know how great of a one it's going to be, but there's going to be a market. And I'm not saying a trade market because, no, nobody's trading for Russell Wilson. No, no, no. But somebody might come and get Russell Wilson uh, once he is dumped uh, at the end of the season. That's, that's what could happen. When he is dumped, then somebody's going to come get him. That's, that is what's going to happen with Russell Wilson. That makes much more sense. Yeah. Nobody's going to actually pay for Russell Wilson. When he gets dumped, somebody's going to come for him, if, assuming he wants to play. Now, I did hear this is an interesting little thing that has been bantered about here for a while, whether or not Russell Wilson wants to play anymore. Like if he's interested in, in playing football anymore. Kind of looking like a guy that's not, but but I don't, I mean, would he want to go story. out on such horrific terms? I don't know that the Russell Wilson image slash brand has done great the last several years, so I'm not sure it really mm-hmm. matters. Yeah, I don't know. I, I think he's still competitive. He's, I think he still probably wants to win. I mean, look, he had enough. He had enough belief in himself to tell them to go shove it, basically, when they came to him and said, hey, why don't you do this? Why don't you just go unguaranteed money for the rest of your career? That's true. That's true. Fix your contract or else. I mean, look, he he probably still wants to play and probably figured at that point, okay, I I can still play here, you know? Um, It's it's that kind of stuff that, you know, probably, I don't know, kind of fuels his fire, if you will, a little bit uh, as well, I I would think. And and there is, again, going to be a market for him. Now, what did we learn from him the last time, supposedly, or not last time, supposedly last time he was in the market, which was two off-seasons ago when, you know, that was also during combine time, when he was, when he was traded um, to the Denver Broncos in that offseason, you know, the teams that reached out were the Eagles, the, the Commanders were another team that wanted him. Supposedly, he had no interest in those teams. He wanted to, you know, stay, you know, left coast-ish, not really. I go mountain time zone with, with the Broncos, wanted to stay in, wanted to kind of stay out that way, wasn't interested in coming to the East Coast, wasn't interested in playing in Philly or in Washington. Now, I don't know if his mindset would change now about the teams. And, you know, there's other teams that are out there now. Minnesota, certainly, uh, you know, it's, it's an option if the Cousins thing doesn't work out, right? Like, they, they could be looking at a quarterback. There's been, you know, even Pittsburgh has been – the name has come up when it comes to Russell Wilson. Uh, the idea of of the, um, you know, of um, the Chicago Bears has been mentioned, which, you know, is kind of a gap, you know, a, a bridge quarterback for – if they bring in a new guy, I don't think that makes a lot of sense for him. But, you know, I guess any any ideas are, are, are possible at this point in his career and in this offseason. I don't know if the uh, Patriots would want to look veteran because they can clearly take a rookie, so they don't really need to. And I don't think Russell Wilson can be very choosy at this point. No, I don't, I don't think he can either. Um, you know, the Falcons, if if they don't find a quarterback where they I are, could see that. That would make a lot of sense, potentially. Um so there's going to be some spots for him. I think the, the bottom line is there's going to be a few places for him uh, to, to look at. And again, if assuming he wants to still play, which I, I haven't heard anything to make me think he doesn't, just more so just people pontificating that he may not want to play again, I, would, I think he would find a place. And, you know, what kind of contract it is, probably low-level, you know, incentive-based because the Denver Broncos are on the hook for all that guaranteed money. Like, why would you, you know, hurt your team, you know? Just like, why would he agree to, you know, 
remember when there was the discussion with with Derek Carr, like, hey, you know, go find a trade, and then you can waive your no trade clause, and you you know, we'll send you here or there. Like, why would he do that to his new team when he knows that you had to cut him anyway? Oh yeah, he wouldn't. Yeah, it he doesn't wouldn't. make any sense. And I mean, if you I, trade for him, you're an idiot. Yeah, exactly. Well, or you're Snyder. Well, um, you know, so one of those things. So I, I don't I don't foresee that happening, but I do think he's going to be he's going to be coveted this offseason. I mean, him. You know, the, the veteran quarterbacks, you know, he and Kirk Cousins. But what he's got going for him that Kirk doesn't is he's not coming off an Achilles injury. Yeah, but he's also coming off a season in which he looked awful. That's that's part of the problem is, is, is he did not really pass the eye test. He got better, I guess, towards the end of the season. But then, you know. I don't – he was okay. I don't think he was awful. I think he was okay – and I would also say, you know, again, Sean Payton, we, we wonder what his motivations were as the season went on uh, with, with Wilson. They did some baffling things. I don't know. I just don't think they gel. I think, I think that's part of it. But you, sure. you talk about motivation. What's left for Russell Wilson to be motivated for? Because right now, I don't think he's a Hall of Fame quarterback. Right. I don't. So is that, the, motiv- MVP. Is that the motivation to become well, a Hall just, of Famer? Well, or to win or to go back and just, well, find a place you're enjoying football because clearly the last couple of years in Seattle didn't seem to be that great for him uh, on the enjoyment front. And certainly last year in Denver, I mean, they're coming off their biggest win of the year. They beat the, uh, they beat the Chiefs and they tell them that week, oh, we, w- we want you to give away all of your guaranteed money. Or we might have to cut you, or, or we're going to have to bench you, right? Like, that's what they said. They're going to have to bench him. And then he played multiple more weeks after that with that, you know, mm-hmm. in his mind, right? And absolutely, you know, kind of like messing with him. So that is, that's just wild. Because to me, the perception, and this is just yeah. observation, the perception to me is that Russell Wilson's main motivation is he wants to be liked. Maybe. But he's also somebody that can be very off-putting. So... How does it? What does he really want? I, I don't. I'm not even sure he knows at this point. Yeah, I don't know either. I don't, I'm not sure he does either. But again, I think there will be. They're going to be option. There'll be options for him. There'll be better options than certainly the last coach who clearly didn't want him because whoever's going to go after him now is clearly showing that hey, we have some interest level in you. So hopefully that would put his mind at ease and you know get the best out of him. But yeah, I mean you're going to have to have a you know a coach that's got a little bit of uh, a little bit of um, belief in themselves like a little cockiness if you will about how they can fix things and that's how it always works i mean no matter how bad i mean listen nobody looked as bad as wentz did and he still got a gig that's true after that that's and, sad but and true. that being said he got another gig this year and actually played really well in the one game he got to play because again he had something called coaching and it's system and you know and they broke the guy down so it, i don't want to say he's help, helpless because he's still got a lot of physical tools left um and is uh, you know not not to me in my eyes not as nearly as damaged as I felt Carson Wentz was coming out of you know the previous season 2022 going into 2023 and, and granted he had to sit out for a while before he found a job and of course it was the the ultimate quarterback fixer Sean McVay yeah I don't think that we'll see him there but I, I'll tell you I wouldn't rule out the Giants not a terrible wouldn't idea rule that out because they have uh, not the greatest of quarterback situations right now with with their quarterback coming back from a severe injury um, and a guy who wouldn't really play all that great last year prior to that injury, talking about Daniel Jones. All right, 757-687-9494. James will get you updated on what's happening at the Daytona 500 coming up on the other side. Uh, big game tonight in the ACC in about a half hour. Hokies hosting Virginia. Uh, we'll get to that and uh, 
Why, oh why, the Hokies need that thing so much more than UVA at this point. Scott Jackson's your Priority Order Sports Radio 94.1. We are brought to you by Larry King Law, injured in an accident. Call 757-INJURED, 757-INJURED. And we're uh, brought to you by Larry King Law. Um, we're here till 7 tonight. The uh, the Hokies and the Cavaliers play at 7 tonight in Blacksburg. Big game um, for Virginia Tech. Really one of the few last chances they have to uh, help really uh, pump up their net rating as they look at the schedule coming down the stretch here. You know, they blew one of them over the weekend. It would have been a big win to beat Carolina, and I'm losing that game pretty handily by 15. I mean, Virginia is not ranked now, but just in terms of the computer numbers, they have Wake Forest as well, which could help them. But Pittsburgh, Syracuse, Louisville, and Notre Dame, not so much. Uh, although Pittsburgh, I'm sorry, I take that. Pittsburgh can. Louisville and Notre Dame, no, not so much. But uh, the, the Hokies... Need this one tonight. Virginia is uh, 41st in the latest net. As we mentioned, Wake's 40th. Um, Virginia, most people have firmly in the in the in the dance right now, along with Carolina, Duke, and Clemson. Wake's interesting. I I I look at Wake and I'd be like, uh, isn't Wake in? But then um, you see in these prognostications, no, because the thing that jumps out is Wake is one in six in their quad one games. They're they've only won 16 games. 11 of which have come against quad three and four wins. So that hurts them. Hokies, meanwhile, again, to get a win over Virginia would be a quad one win, which would improve them at five and six. So they've been pretty good. They've, they're almost 500 against quad one teams. Uh, quad two teams, not so much. 0 for three. Uh, they have not had any you know horrific quad four losses. They're 6 and 0 there. Uh, but again, they're running out of time here. It's this game. Uh, obviously, the game they just lost over the weekend, Carolina would have been against a ranked opponent, but Pittsburgh's kind of hanging there. So it's really these next two are pretty enormous. Three out of the four are pretty enormous for them in terms of ability to kind of improve the old resume uh, for the Hokies. So could certainly use this one tonight uh, against the Cavaliers. The first matchup, uh, Virginia won back, um, I guess it was early in January. They won by eight in Blacks, or excuse me, in Charlottesville. And that game was, um, I want to say that was January 15th, 17th, somewhere around there. It's 17th, to be exact. So that was that's where that game was a long time ago. And Reese Beekman in that game had a big game at 16, minor at 16. So anyway, tonight, uh, Virginia Tech could use this one. Uh, it was a, kind of a opportunity lost with the Duke game last week, uh, then, the, then the game, the loss to Carolina as well. They had Duke on the home floor, which was unfortunate and couldn't do anything with that. And, you know, losing to Miami, who's not that good this year, although they were supposed to be good uh, when the season started. And really right now, I mean, Virginia Tech's like lost four of their last five, kind of like the wrong time to be trending the wrong way. But again, Virginia at Pittsburgh, um, at Syracuse, Wake, if you can come through that with more wins, especially against the teams that's the stronger net rating right now, then maybe you're – Maybe your chances uh, change quite drastically. But again, 14-11 right now. Uh, not been a great road team either. Just 1-7 on the road this year. And the Hokies sit at 62 in terms of the net. They did go up in the net. I always love this. With a loss. <laughs> of they course beat, they did. Because they lost to Carolina, who's like ninth in the net. Well, and here's the problem for the Hokies, too. They've already lost to Wake Forest. They've yes. already lost to Florida State. I mean, that was, that was a close game, but they've yep. already lost. You mentioned the Virginia loss as well. And they've already lost to Notre Dame. As yeah, well. Now, granted, good. like you said, on the road. Yep. But that doesn't help that those teams are still on your schedule and you and you weren't able to beat them the first time. 
Yeah, I mean, they really, again, the Carolina game this weekend would have been huge um, for them, but didn't didn't get there, um, didn't help themselves. And now now they've left themselves with this, this stretch coming up where they really needed to take those three or four against those teams and uh, uh, help themselves get in get into the uh, you know get into like a you know the, if you can get into the 40s the late 40s in terms of the and the uh, net rating then you might have a chance but right now I mean in the 60s no no way we were, and we were talking about this last week with um, Patrick Stevens of the post again I continue to watch this Madison case because they've lost twice um, to the best team in the conference app state in, in the Sun Belt. But Madison has, among the Sun Belt teams, the best computer numbers, right? They have the best out of conference. They have the best overall record at 23-3, and three, again, with two losses to App State. And they're 55 in the net right now. If they were able to continue to win and even get into the conference finals, lose to App for a third time, they would have 30 wins. Like, a 30-win team with a net that would be in the 50s would be really interesting to see if they could leave them out. I, I don't know if you could. Um, you know, it's not impossible uh, that that could happen, but it's it seems rather cruel. <laughs> yeah, but part of the problem is if you're the committee, do you look and do you look at that and say they lost to a team three times? Yeah, but if that team's your conference champion, your conference. maybe not. You know what I mean? It's it's just hard though to to say you lost to the same team three times and and, and put them in as well. That that would but again, be hard. If you have me. a grand total of four losses and thirty wins, and you beat. Uh, Tom Izzo's team on the road early in the season. I mean, again, you don't, you don't have any terrible losses. I mean, they have no bad losses. Their, their early resume is good. I, I, yeah, I, I mean, grant they have you no bad losses. I mean, again, the thing that happens with a lot of the teams in the mid-majors, if, if the rest of your conference, you know, they get some bottom feeders. I mean, you know, in the conference. And they get some bad RPI or bad net, obviously RPI, bad net rated teams. It's going to make it hard. But, I mean, that's really the only path for this conference to have two. And they haven't had two in forever. Um, if that were to happen. Well, and the problem is you look at App, and their marquee wins are against Madison and yeah. Auburn. Yeah. Well, yeah, the App has to win the conference. I mean, they, they have to win the conference. They're not going to improve their computer numbers between now and the end of the season because they're done, you know. They, and they did not have a particularly challenging out-of-conference schedule, if I remember correctly. No, and they and they just lost, App did to Texas State a few uh, not too long ago. Yeah, and that's, so they that's lost, a bad look. Yeah, so out of conference, they had NIU, they had they had Oregon State. Um, you I mean, know, they beat like UNCW, Murray State, Austin P. You know, good programs. Auburn, they beat Auburn. It was a good win. Um, Eastern Tennessee, uh, but yeah, they they didn't play an amazing but like Central Penn Queens. Come yeah, on, yeah, they didn't play an amazing out of conference schedule at all. And I think um, you know that's that's part of the part of the problem for them now. I mean, it's too late. You can't go back and fix any of that stuff. And you know, and again, sometimes you're just lucky. Like who you because some of these conference you know out of conference schedules are made far in advance. You don't know who's going to be good, or who's going to right, be bad. Right, right. You know, some sometimes you get lucky with what you did there. But I will, uh, yeah, I, I don't. You know, I'm, like it was three seasons ago. Now was it three seasons ago when the Hokies won the ACC tournament? Um, and they had that. It was two seasons ago. I'm sorry, two seasons ago, and they were kind of in a similarish spot coming into February. But uh, but I they were a little bit better in terms of the net numbers there in the fifties, and they went on a won a hell of a run. I, I don't foresee that happening this year for them. They don't look like that kind of team, but they could certainly be Virginia tonight at home, and that would be step one of you know improving the resume. That would be huge. Yeah, I mean I think Virgi- again Virginia is not in any danger of falling out of this thing. 
It was a big win over the weekend against Wake. That was a good game. Yeah, and uh, you know they they still play defense, right? I mean, they play a lot of defense. It's actually um, the reason that Wake didn't win that game. Yeah, they play. You know, they still and he, he's you know, and Tony Bennett. I mean, he's, if you remember back, if you're old enough to remember <laughs> when he came into the conference, I just I was working in uh, Carolina at the time, and I just remember like just the skepticism of the hire was incredible. People just thought, oh, this guy, no way this guy is going to be able to roll in here in the old ACC and have no connections and be able to recruit and win and all this kind of garbage. He's done all of it. I mean, national champion, you know, has competed at the high level every every year, it feels like, and just done a great job. And yeah, he doesn't get, like, all the greatest recruits either. You know, it's not like no, that's they're, true. Yeah. they're not, like, highly rec- ranked recruiting classes at Virginia. Well, Virginia's a hard school to get into, too. Yeah, but That's he's also, I mean, he's just, he coaches them up. You know, they, they do, the staff does a great job, uh, no doubt. All right, 757-687-9494. Um, coming up, we'll dive into some what we missed. Hey, Steve Spagnola, remember the idea of why is he not getting any run at head coaching gigs? Well, he apparently likes them. We'll talk about that next year. Scott Jackson Show, Priority Auto Sports Radio, 94.1. We are brought to you by Larry King Law. All right, diving right on into the old what we missed. The Chiefs defensive coordinator, Steve Spagnuolo, signed an extension last week. You may have seen that uh, to stick around right after the Super Bowl. And, you know, it was brought up by more than a few people uh, in the NFL. Hey, why isn't this guy getting any head coaching opportunities? Like, what's going on there? Maybe he doesn't want to be the head coach. Maybe, I don't know, maybe he's got a contract with uh, the Chiefs that says he's the coach in waiting and all those kind of things now none of that apparently is the case but uh, Steve Spagnola did say uh, this week that yes he would like another uh, shot at being a head coach at some point in his career but obviously that moment is not right now as uh, Spags uh, is going to uh, stick around with the Kansas City Chiefs and you know what he is um been the best coordinator in the NFL by a bunch when you count the successes they've had in Kansas City with him as the DC could get three Super Bowl championships there also the one with the uh, New York Giants I mean he's got four as the defensive coordinator uh in an interview on Mad Dog Sports Radio of the weekend because I've been asked this question a lot the answer is the same way absolutely would want to be prideful uh, guys in this business it wasn't a success when I was in St. Louis though I think what got lost is when the way uh, went from year one to year two in the second year in 2010 we won the last game of the season we're in the playoffs and uh, hosting a playoff game against New Orleans it didn't happen then we hit the lockout and things didn't go well and we're gone he goes the answer to the question is yes but I always follow up with it never happens uh, if that's God's will I continue to do what I'm doing. I'm a blessed man. No doubt. Again, Spagnola, first coordinator in the history of the NFL to win four Super Bowls. That should account for something. You'd think so. Someday, uh, maybe the Pro Football Hall of Fame will get a little smarter and uh, include assistant coaches. Although, again, they, they struggle to get starters in properly. So I don't, <laughs> maybe I'm asking too much there. Starters, certain head coaches. Yep. You know, there's there's a lot. Yeah, of guys who play special teams. Yeah. Uh, our poll question of the day, if you missed it earlier, um, and again, this is um, on the X at Jackson Sports at ESPN Radio 941, brought to you by Dominion Floor Covering, is uh, which NBA star is more likely to win another title? Uh, we put LeBron, Steph, KD, and Giannis in the old uh, poll, and uh, right now you all like the Greek Freak at 66.3%, followed by Steph Curry at 19.4%, uh, KD at 92 and LeBron James at 51 
Maybe it's because he's staying with the Lakers. He actually got some votes. I'm impressed. Yeah. Hey, listen, his fan base is very strong. You know that. Yeah, 5.1% strong. Yeah, exactly. Well, it's early. The polls got another 20 hours. <laughs> uh, if you want to see a campaign, you know. If you want to campaign for LeBron. I, currently, it's hard, to, it's hard to see with the things they've got going on. You know, if you tagged KD in that, he probably retweets it. <laughs> well, his burner account follows me, so I'm, I'm pretty <laughs> sure we got that. I could send it to his dad, uh, who I do know. So You're going to get a DM later. <laughs> I like KD. I, I hope he does go. I think it'd be great. Him and, him and Bradley Beal, how weird would that be? Oh, man. Hey, thanks to uh, the former players of Legend Giselle, Darren McClinton, uh, James Madison, point guard, the uh, captain for two of the Lefty Giselle seasons, including... Um, the team that went to the NCAA tournament at the expense of Old Dominion winning the CAA tournament that year. Uh, thanks for joining us, talking uh, some great stuff about Lefty Drizel. Same with Tony Massenburg, who played for him at Maryland in his final season uh, before uh, he had to resign, obviously. And, uh, you know, great memories from all those guys. Good perspective, especially from Massenburg, talking about the Maryland stuff and how that uh, obviously tainted and shouldn't have in a lot of ways. Uh, what was an amazing career. And it's cool that, uh, again, Four different schools, all the success, all the winning, and uh, a beloved figure in college sports. And great that, obviously, a lot of his story is from right in this area here. Uh, Granby High School, Newport News High School, you know, and then, obviously, the successes in the state and coming back here and retiring here with his uh, with his wife before uh, she passed away just a few years ago and now um, lefty at 92 over the weekend. All right, thanks to Kieran Donahue as well, the uh, interim basketball coach for joining us. All right, tomorrow on this very show – uh, we will be with you on Hot Take Tuesday edition. Uh, we'll also talk NIL world with uh, NIL attorney Midwinter, former William Mary basketball player, trying to educate us on where this thing is headed. And um, I don't know. I'm going to be the bad guy and ask about can we make the product better at some point. <laughs> I know that's not a popular. I know that's not a popular topic. All right, for James Witham, Scott Jackson, saying so long. We are represented by Larry King Law. Injured in an accident? Call seven five seven injured seven five seven I N J U R D. Trust the attorneys we trust. Larry King Law. They took good care of my family. They take good care of yours. Seven five seven I N J U R E D. Larry King Law. All right, till three o'clock tomorrow. Have a great night. We'll see you then.